Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs. Welcome to Warrior Death Show's second stream. It's our lean, mean, fighting machine of a podcast. Uh, we're currently covering Given, and we're now on to episode four, Fluorescent Adolescent. Uh, a not-so-subtle Arctic Monkeys reference, but more about them in a bit. For the moment, of course, I am, as always, Shane, and joining me is fellow band member and bassist, you know, with the mostest, uh, it's Doc. Welcome to Warrior Death Show Unplugged. <laughs> where we we ditch all the fancy music and and sound effects and summaries and it's just it's just it's lean it's the pure music man it's, it's for raw. The, the purest it's raw it's raw it's just our feelings just out there get ready for absolutely. it absolutely and i'm and i'm not even intoxicated yet which i really should be working on that's the true way of doing rock and roll isn't it <laughs> just the sober rock yeah. and roll <laughs> yeah yeah, sober rock and roll. No, you got you got to go on having at least tanked upon one bottle of Jack, maybe two. Jack Channels. Depending on how frisky you're feeling. Oh, I had to no. bring. <laughs> I had no, not, not again. Not a day has gone by since you said that last week that I haven't thought of it and laughed. I literally <laughs> gave you a hangover from that. I'm so sorry. It's tremendous. <laughs> oh, dear. So anyway, uh, yes, we are indeed up to give an episode four, fluorescent adolescent. Uh, all of the episode names thus far, by the way, have been references to various songs of various bands. Uh, I unfortunately do not have the tweet I sourced this from handy right now. As soon as I have it, I will make sure I retweet it. Uh, but the very first one, uh, which I believe was Boys in a Band, was a reference to the Libertines, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And given a reference during the episode to uh, UK music, specifically UK indie music and indie rock, it's not surprising that, you know, these titles keep cropping up. Show where's its influences like sleep. I mean, there was the Arctic Monkeys, you know, uh, reference or homage <laughs> in the very first episode with the CD with the uh, suspect track names. Yes. Um, it didn't he anyway. also have a Tom York vinyl, if I'm not mistaken? I missed that, but that would not surprise me in the slightest. Uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about episode four today. If you're not familiar with our current format with this particular, you know, second podcast that we're doing here, uh, unlike our regular stream of thoughts, we're not going to be covering, of course, the full plot or events of the episode. So we're assuming you've already seen it and you're just looking for a bit of commentary to go with it. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to lead in with my first talking point here, actually. Let's talk about effects pedals. Yeah, let's. So, so... I mentioned way back when we did episode one of Given that I was wondering how, into how much technical detail this show would get into and ultimately to what end that would serve. Because while it is indeed, you know, nice to have a show that is technically accurate and is also, you know, verbose in terms of dealing with things like music equipment and how things work, uh, in my opinion, if you want to be an efficient storyteller, you need to only really use that if you're trying to make a point. Simply filling out a show with technical details like this is what an amp does, this is what an effects pedal does, this is what this you know kind of guitar does, this is the difference between the bass guitar, blah, 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 blah. That, to me, is just more filling out a technical manual than actually serving any sort of story. Now, if you think I'm about to lead him by saying, well, Given makes this mistake too, and it's kind of terrible. <laughs> uh, well, was, you're wrong, actually. Was, was that a uh, like a like a smoking, uh, well actually guy? Yes, it was. I, I that's man shading, as in mansplaining, basically. <laughs> Definitely uh, like mid smoke. Yeah, I've never smoked stay in my life, so I'm I'm only guessing. But yeah, ugh. God, I don't want to do that voice again anytime soon. Anyway, so 
no, actually, Given does actually, you know, use its uh, guitar equipment and betrayal thereof to serve a purpose. Yeah. And why is that purpose, you might wonder. So, without going too deep into the weeds, like, because the episode itself does a pretty good job of explaining it, uh, Mafuyu and Yunia... Let's try that again. Ding, that's another one going in the swear jar. Uenoyama uh, and Mafuyu, uh, they go to a, you know, a guitar shop, and the thing they're buying first and foremost is a piece of equipment for him is an effects pedal, which allows different distortions and effects on the guitar rather than just being, you know, raw audio coming from it. And the one they initially source uh, in the first-hand shop that they find, uh, it is um, too expensive for them to purchase, so they don't end up taking it. Uh, this is after Mafuyu tries it out and he's quite taken with it. So, uh, Uenoyama has a different plan, which is to visit a second-hand shop that he frequents, and he, they indeed find the same model there. Now, here's the thing that, about this scene that I really, really liked. We've already got an impression thus far from the episodes we've seen that um, Sato is very reserved, very introverted, and very shy. And we can already kind of get a sense that he is that way because of some incident in the past involving this Yuki person um, that we've not met yet, or at least have not got more info about. So we can kind of, you know, draw like a point from there to here. But they can't remain that way forever, you know. Him being this way, of him being that withdrawn, isn't healthy for him or good for him, I would argue. So, you might recall that Uenoyama mentioned in the previous episode, or it might not have been him, it might have actually been one of his bandmates. In fact, it was one of his bandmates, so... Ignore what I just said, <laughs> uh, but one of one of his fellows, I believe it might have been uh, Kaji, said that music is communication, and uh, insert mm. another Gundam Wing joke here, God. but we'll move on from that very quickly. <laughs> uh, so, we're starting to see the building blocks being put in place of Mafuyu actually getting back to having some more agency and taking it, uh, choices for his own, making his own decisions, because he actually doesn't have the money still to even buy this second-hand pedal, um, but he actually outright says to the store owner, can you put it aside until I've worked for enough money to get it? He's making a choice for himself. Now, you could argue that he's doing this just as he was given that particular pedal initially by Uenoyama uh, when they were in the first hand store. Ding, yeah. Given. Oh, he right, sorry, I thought you meant because I got, the na- I got the name wrong. No, 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 uh, no, you were solid on that, just, we, you know, given. He was uh, we need different. We need, we need different, like, we need different noises. We need air horns for that one, I think. Okay. <laughs> But anyway, um, so you might say it's, it's because of that, possibly, but he is still making a choice of his own, ultimately, to still get that pedal rather than giving up on it. Even if he's not getting it immediately, he's going to work for it, as now he has a job. And I think that this is part of, you know, the process towards him slowly becoming back to, you know, well, I'm not saying introversion is necessarily a bad thing, but rather being able to more freely express himself and take, you know, control of his own agency. And that's where the pedal comes in. It's a puzzle piece towards a full set of equipment, quote-unquote, that allows him to do that and actually communicate again with the wider world. Yeah, I think that is right. You know, music as given has, you know, presented so well. (laughs) Sorry. I'm, I'm using it just as the title. I think the air horn is when we use it when we're in other contexts. You're 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 mm-hmm. too button happy. Get your finger off the red button. Fine, <laughs> fine. So the show has presented really well, like that music is self-expression. Um, that you know, 
art, you're you're putting something of yourself out there. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a scene uh, before they go by effects pedals, um, like where they talk about musical tastes. And this is all connected, but I, I want to ask you. So uh, they first asked, uh, you know, Mafuyu, what is your, what's your musical taste? And he was like, what, what's your musical taste? Like he, he sort of doesn't have one. Um, mm. What did you, what did you, and, and I'll come back around to the effects pedal stuff, because again, I think it's, it's all kind of a connected um, sort of thematic thing. But uh, what did you, what did you think about, um, about that, about him kind of not really having a musical taste? Did that bother you or, or take you out of it? Or did you think that was fine for well, the character? Well, well, there's no evidence to say that he definitely has no musical taste. Rather, maybe he has one, but he just simply doesn't want to reveal it just yet. Could be that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I suppose, again, I mean, my mind is like um, kind of uh, bear trapping uh, and springing to conclusion, right? Ah, it's the trope again of totally blank and submissive wafy boy that is, <laughs> you know, waiting for big bear man to sweep him away and teach him how to adult. And but no, not nah, just just adult for him and take care of it. And, and that's are you are you somehow <laughs> making up your own Bigfoot boy love show here or something? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bigfoot Sammy, you're the only one who understands me. Shanon, you're you're going, you're going to forget what you just heard, and you're going to forget it soon. Uh, if anyone wants to write that, then please do. I would love to see that. No, and I think oh, I think some of those like elements are there, but they're um in this episode. But I like them. I think that they are quite charming, um, because they're not like overwhelming, uh necessarily but um but no that's a fair so so you think so it's we don't really know the the scene the evidence uh doesn't really lean one way or the other uh but either way he wasn't willing to like express right what his what his taste was um yeah there wasn't kind of that I mean, confidence there right yeah i mean i can attest personally that even now it, you know at the crisp old age of 31 yikes uh that you know people will like discuss around me like what television they've been watching recently do i tell them i've been watching anime no i don't mainly because i can't be bothered trying to explain to them you know that anime is not you know the tentacle filled hentai mess that people make it out to be but that's a different topic for a different time um so it's not you know unheard of that people can be reluctant to express their tastes for a variety of reasons and it could just be simple shyness i mean hmm. we're, we're slowly unraveling here we're getting there i mean the ending of the episode itself has um when Oyama's, you know uh Girl, well, not girl crush, not his crush, but rather the girl's got a crush on him. You know, learning that there were rumors, rumors. and speculation Ominous. about Sato in, middle, in Ominous middle school. Heavy crayon. Yep, <laughs> which clearly clearly means that Sato was indeed a young special forces soldier in the vein of Violet Evergarden. <laughs> yes, that's, that's why he's so quiet because he's just like her. 
You know, he's wasting for orders and then he's just going to turn his, you know, guitar into a gun like our Desperados. And again, my headcanon is running completely out of control. So just to bring this back on track here, I think, again, it's a wait and see thing with that one. Okay. Um, well, but yeah, back. Sorry, go on. Oh, so uh, let me now try to connect it back up to what you were saying earlier. Um, so um, my uh, going off my original reading of it, um, just we'll just grant that for this kind of uh, hypothesis that I'm going to put out here as the, the kind of the theme of this episode, which by the way, like I, I really enjoy how each episode treats on a different theme. Oh, and the themes are all kind of connected, but like, I feel like each one is still has its own distinct thematic flavor. And I love it for that. Um, but so, yes. So let's assume that he did not share his musical taste because he doesn't really have any. Um, I think that the episode is sort of arguing via the effects pedal as a metaphor that like, um, that it is actually sort of uh, important to have a taste because it shows that there is something in there inside of you uh that will something to express right that you have a taste because you have opinions because you have preferences because you have your own perspective like a viewpoint like any any perspective any viewpoint is going to have uh its own biases and limitations and taste i think is kind of part and parcel with that so yeah, I feel like it, all that that scene with the taste like is totally a, a lead in to this business with the effects pedal because it's to do with him finding his his taste, finding what he likes mm-hmm. in music to like help discover his voice, um, to help discover the best way for him to let out all of that stuff, um, his his mode of self expression. Absolutely. Yeah, even if he doesn't necessarily have a sense of musical taste right now or even preferences, that doesn't preclude him from, like, you know, developing that over time. And everyone's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, for example, like a lot of the music that I listen to um, is stuff like, say, the Ramones, the Dam, the Clash, uh, Morrissey, regrettably. Fuck (laughs) that prick. But moving on. The Um, solo stuff or or Smiths? Both. 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 Um, and also, you know, other stuff as well in that kind of vein. I didn't originally discover that by myself in the wild. I was introduced it from a friend of mine, who in turn was introduced it by his father. So often or not, you know, like sometimes it takes like, you know, a little spark being self like, hey, give this a shot and see how you feel about it. And then next thing you know, you then develop your own, you know, preference for it, your own light for it, and you explore further under your own steam. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not it's not impossible that's the, that's the case. For me, I think this, you know, seeing uh, Matthew take that step of actually saying, you know, this is the thing I want rather than it being given to him. Ho ho ho. Bow, bow. Uh, is um <laughs> uh, it's a great little step for him. It's again a step with its own little caveats that it's not one that he picks out under his own initiative entirely because Oenayama did, you know, say here, start with this one, it's dirt simple. But still that he ultimately did actually end up 
going for it in the end, mm-hmm. which was good to see. Yeah, like it wasn't, um, you know, the sort of thing where he was like, oh, I will get it because it's what you think is best. You know, it wasn't, in, to speak in Freudian terms, it wasn't his sort of super ego making that choice. It was an ego-driven <laughs> choice, right? It was, uh, wow, I, I really like this. Um, this, you know, you've opened the door and what you've shown me is really appealing to me as me, not just appealing to me as something that you like. Yeah. In addition, uh, the pedal itself allows a variety of different like effects to be set, like, you know, changing the tone, etc. So to start with, like, but for you just playing the guitar on its own, like, it's very one way, like, there's not a lot of range to it. And that's, that's me very, very basic there. Obviously, you know, you've got a lot of different, like, you know, chords and such in guitar playing. So please excuse my ignorance for that. But what I mean is that there's only a certain, you know, range in which you can perform and operate within that, with which you can communicate, so to speak. But this has now expanded his world a little bit in one way. So again, it's a very nice parallel between the very technical side of it, the stuff that, you know, would appease, like, you know, people who are in bands or who know this kind of thing say like that is that kind of authentic but it has an actual purpose to the characters as an allegory for his slow but gradual development so again good shit keep it up show i like this i like little things like please can i have some more sir yeah it's very kind of uh when you look at the scaffolding uh and the that sort of structurally you'd be like, oh, well, this is kind of simple, but it's it's really elegant in its simplicity, and it executes these kind of connections and that sort of stuff quite well. And so it's very satisfying. Hell yes, hell yes. Uh, All right. Go ahead. To you, Doc. Okay, so um, I really, really liked so much of this episode um here's a part that i thought was super cool um when toward the beginning of the episode we find out uh ritsuka oenoyama is taking the melody that mafuyu sang for him and he's making a song out of it a mm-hmm. full blown uh composition with music and uh, lyrics, I would just, you know, assume. Uh, maybe, I don't know. But certainly a musical composition. Um, and uh, this is quite special. This, for Mafiu, represents someone doing something uh, really, really wonderful for him. And making, making a song, uh, which for him, I think, just that is really really powerful like taking something that he i mean he heard it so he's sort of echoing what he heard but like um uenoyama didn't hear that so he's taking mafuyu here and and this melody and making this this complete work of art out of it um and i think that that is really um that kind of bowls over mafuyu and that's really sweet and very special um Another kind of interesting aspect of it, I thought, was that, uh, and this harkens back to episode two more than anything, I think, that 
um in a in a band in a group um in any i guess community you can take uh good from one person good qualities good attributes uh good good product whatever and someone else in the group can bring their own unique talents to it and build upon it to make something that is even better and mm-hmm. benefits everyone in the group because of, and you and you can't sort of do that in isolation that kind of building uh that kind of um knowledge stacking and like additive quality can only be achieved through like relationships with other people and collaboration yeah through collaboration and and you know this is the boys doing it as as part of a band uh, or a duo here but um this is i think pretty universalizable to different life situations and different different variables um we could talk about uh, all sorts of communities in this and i think that this is again uh a simple sort of um uh message but uh it's darn if it's not really like effective when packaged as music there's something really cool about collaboration and production of a full-blown piece of music um Mm. and like this is what like macross gets really right i think is that like i was just thinking of that as you were saying that i was like are we gonna get the macross and they were like yes and then you know naturally go Mm -hmm. take a drink right how long has it been since we talked about macross um but not soon enough i know anyway i know but that's like a really powerful aspect of macross is that um the way the way it delivers it to you through through music is is so disarming and awesome and kind of kind of gets into your psyche. Hmm. Indeed. One thing I should note though is that um, this could also be the groundwork potentially being laid down here for future conflicts because this song is going to be a development, you know, project of theirs as the show goes on. But are we going to get to the point where Uediyama goes too far in dictating the terms of what goes in it? Are we going to get a point where Sato fights back and says, no, I don't think this is what I wanted to hear. You're taking too much control. Now, again, I should stress, this is only as a source of conflict then can be resolved as they figure things out. It's not, you know, that there should inherently be, you know, them failing because that's how it goes. But rather, you know, it, there's a lot of potential to be mined from this, I think, depending on how they want to go with it. I think you just want to be mean. You just want to see the boys get hurt. I'm not okay with no! that. <laughs> no, 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 right. no. But one, you know, inevitably with drama, there does need to be conflicts. And this is another potential thing. That, but again, there's no reason that conflict can't be overcome and that can't become better off as a result of it. I I certainly hope so. Um, I definitely, mm-hmm. that last, that very last scene was pretty ominous. And, uh... Mm. I, 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 you know, I've been wanting some conflict, but now I don't know if I want it anymore. <laughs> well, the thing about that last scene I should note is that we obviously don't get any hints about uh, what it is at this point. It's left to our speculation. But here's the thing, right? From a writing perspective, whatever these rumors are of Mafuyu, they don't matter if they're true or not, whatever they may be. 
how and you know innocuous or no rumors or whatever rumors themselves are or can be incredibly damaging to someone you know regardless of the truth not often they are you know a mixture of fiction and facts or even just plain fiction as it turns out so i'm going to be more interested not necessarily in the objective truth that comes out of them but rather what it means you know for yeah. Uenayama and sasso as you know this is dealt with uh, i have mild reservations about how his uh you know you know his onlooking bow you know whatever name is is going to handle this i'm hoping that it keeps it you know, restraint doesn't start leading into actual homophobia. I mean, oh man, you know what? That that actually hadn't crossed my mind, and that is a that's a pretty scary thing that yeah. could happen. I mean, he, I mean, here's the thing, right? I'm not saying that you should never explore or cover homophobia in any sort of um, show or work of fiction. See what I said in my Shield Hero cast. If you happen to be listening to this on Patreon, um. But there's a way and a tax of going about it. So um, I'm hoping that if it does go into that particular area where it tackles that directly, also I'm knocking things off my uh, <laughs> shelf unit here, um, that it handles it delicately and with, you know, a lot of tax. And I reckon the show can pull that off. But I'm just thinking that, you know, there's nothing really to be gained from having a conflict where a character is that kind of, you know, they exhibit that kind of prejudice, that kind of, you know, bias because there's not really much shades to it like you know there's to me there's no justification for doing it as far as i'm aware so we'll see just you know mild element of caution there from my part yeah yeah i also worried that uh her character like her sole purpose in the show will just be to do that and you know who that reminds (laughs) me of now that you mention it do you remember when we covered orange i do do you remember what was that lady's name who was game with the guy who I can't remember any of their names because oh, yeah. my memory is off. Right, who Kaoru dated for a few episodes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was her only purpose in that show. Mm-hmm. And like she just essentially existed in the same way that, you know, the Wicked Sisters existed in Cinderella. They weren't really characters in their own right. They were just forces of nature or think you know things to make you know the plot advance or to have you know horrible things happen to the main characters. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes that's fine. Sometimes that is entirely okay. But I'm hoping that we get a little bit more complexity to it than that. That I would that I would like to see. Well, can I uh, transition us to what was potentially? You know, we're talking about hypothetical problems, but this I, this might be an actual uh, peccadillo here uh, oh dear. that I have with this episode only. Um, so, oh, now I'll ask it. I'll, I'll make it a question here. What did you think, right, of the the montage when you know we have Mafuyu who, who the uh, older band members have not heard him sing? And they find out he's going to be the vocalist. And they're like, oh, what? You can sing? And then inhale, start to sing. But of course, we don't hear it. We just hear the guitar. And then, you know, it, it, we get a montage of stills uh, rather than, you know, the band playing a song or, or any kind of um, actual um, animation stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. were, what, did you have any feeling on this scene in isolation, this montage? 
I personally thought it was fine. If you're thinking to yourself that it was a bad thing that we didn't get to hear Sasso sing again, uh, I have a theory on that. Actually. I'm okay with that. I actually think that part of it was was good. Hmm. The well, it's going fade yeah. into the guitar rather than have him sing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that to me like could be representative of the show suggesting that you know it's more about the connection that that song forges between him and Uenoyama rather than it just being for the performance aspect. You know, because the other band members, they'll think, hey, neat, you can sing, but it won't really mean anything much beyond them other than just, he's a good singer. Whereas with Yenayama, uh, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied again. Clearly, you know, he feels a bit more strongly about it as a result. You know, it's decided to lead in some burgeoning feelings from his part, I would say. But as regards to the rest of it just being compressed, this again goes back to what I said before about the necessity not to delve into technical details and, like, you know, going into elaborate, you know reams of information about how things work just for the sake of it for for, for the sake of time um i am aware that given actually is adding because this is of course adapted from a manga as i understand it uh that there are actually anime specific scenes that did not exist in the manga at all mm-hmm. so it's interesting how they're choosing to use their time versus the, you know of the manga versus that and i'm sure our patrons could in you know chime in here and say you know that maybe this montage was more extensive and had you know full discussion of like this is what you do this is when you start singing blah 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 blah. for me i had no issue with it i was perfectly fine because you know i'd rather not necessarily be dragged down so much in the actual band practice when it doesn't necessarily mean anything for the characters if that has to be compressed for a montage fine yeah um i think so um my what i'm wrestling with is not the fact that it was a montage because um that aspect of it yeah, i thought was was quite good um mafuyu starting to sing and then to get fading into music like layered over top of well the rest of the scenes um it's just the fact that like the stills and this is not this is not me sort of saying Oh, I'm gonna dock this episode points, or this this is a, a huge negative about the show, um, because you know I do think like the visual merits of the show lie where we talked about like last episode in the the directorial kind of uh, flourishes, the cuts, the juxtapositions, um, more so than very like elaborate. Uh, animation and so maybe this is just maybe it is a cost saving technique and they're like okay so for this minute here we're just gonna do still shots and I mean if they do that like that's I mean you can't kill them for that that's fine and and like you said (laughs) I I don't I guess I don't also don't think it like took took away from the episode I'm just not sure that it added anything to it as a you know what I mean? Like, uh, could it have? Could we have just gone to the next scene without uh, the montage? Do you think the montage as montage was important or was necessary or was beneficial even? Well, they the the other band members haven't actually seen him perform yet, so I think it is a necessary bridge to go. F- like you know, just to again through compressed time show them seeing that happen and then, you know, getting on board with it. Mm. 
I think it. I think that it didn't need to be a full, like you know, decompressed scene. But I don't think skipping it would have been to the better fight because, you know, Ueni Yama's clearly bought into Sato as a person as a singer, but there need to be others who do that as well, so that way we can have contrasting viewpoints. Because you know, there's inevitably going to be a bit of bias on Ueni Yama's part because he's very taken with Sato in ways that I suspect probably are entirely true and not you know related to just his singing ability. Whereas, you know, the other two band members can offer some perspective. Indeed, that's what they have been doing previously. So establishing that they've now seen this firsthand and are on board with the singing element, you know, allows them to go later on, well, we've seen him sing, but what do we know about him as a person? So I yeah. don't think it could necessarily have been skipped. I think that, you know, if you want to say it's a cost-saving measure, you're probably not wrong with that, but I don't necessarily mind cost-saving if it's, you know, the money is being spent well elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I thought, um, I do think it was atmospheric, uh, and it what it did, it, it was mood establishing. So I guess I'm arguing in favor of it, uh, and now, but I thought it was important to talk about because it was, I don't think it's something they've done before to just do a montage of still shots. Um, so I wanted to bring that up. Um, hmm. What's your next discussion point? Okay, there's a very brilliant, subtle line in this episode that I really, really liked. It passes by without any comment from anyone else. But we know, of course, at this point that um, the Sasso is quite ditzy. Mm. He, or rather, he's, you know, not seemingly completely awake at most times. Like, you know, not entirely aware of the world. But I think that sometimes that's very intentional. And this line that he says is when they're discussing the idea of going to a second-hand shop, he says second-hand things, as if to question their very existence as a concept, that things can be traded down. So, okay, why is this relevant? Well, what is he wearing on his back yeah. throughout most of this episode? That is such a revealing short line on how he feels about that guitar, which is presumably you, this Yuki person who has passed away, that tells me that if, you know, he doesn't comprehend it as a hand-me-down, he thinks it still belongs to him. Because if it was secondhand, it would now be his. Yeah. Again, just such a small yeah. fucking line that goes without any comment from anyone. A complete throwaway yeah. line, but it's just brilliant. It just tells us exactly what he's thinking. Again, without being heavy on exposition or like you know a lot of you know discussion, deep discussion of feelings. I mean, there's time and places for those certainly, but little things like that. Give me more, as I've said before. Like, keep them coming. Mm -hmm. That was just fantastic. Yeah, I I like that they didn't dwell on that. Um, yeah, that's that's hell. Good. If you want to, if you want to read into it further, you could argue that maybe in turn Sasu himself is a secondhand person. You know, he's migrated oh. away from this Yuki person to Ueno-Yama. Yeah, with all the scuffs and damage that comes with that, he's Ritsuka's sloppy seconds. Oh, <laughs> well, in some dojins, definitely. That's that's definitely very explicit. I'm sure of it. But yeah, um, again, this is all part of you know the idea that just because we're featuring a lot of you know music related stuff, musical equipment, it's not there just to show. Hey, you know what? I attended a music college once. I know my technical stuff. I know how to plug in an app. I know what a three point five millimeter cable is versus right. a seven millimeter, wherever <laughs> it is. You know. I know how to wire shit up. It's not about that. 
that's there, you know, for the tech purists, like, who want to go like, hey, it got it right, that's fantastic. Maybe it hasn't. And if it hasn't, then please, you know, fire a comment in to let mm-hmm. us know if it is, you know, accurate to how you set this stuff up and how you run a band and operate the equipment. But it's not really about that so much as it is about relating it to character. Again, music is a communication. And so far, the line of communication between Ueniyama and, um, and Sato is limited, but it's widening. There's room for more expression growing as time goes by. But the, also, that line reveals that you know, Sato himself maybe is not even necessarily entirely aware of his own situation. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, man, I, you know, I hadn't sort of thought about it, uh, that line, uh, deeply, but that's, uh, it's a good catch by you. That's, I, I think that is, I, I, I would bet money on that being not a throwaway line. You know what I mean? Being pretty intentional. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So, uh, a, a small moment that I quite liked, uh, in the episode was uh, I think a little less subtle uh, when uh, Mafuyu, uh, or actually no, it's toward the end. It's um, when the owner of the secondhand store, with his uh, you know American flag pocketed tea, uh, <laughs> is asking Oenoyama, uh, so is he a friend of yours, this kid, who wants to do this layaway thing? Um, and Oenoyama says, uh, well, we're in a band together. And when he says that, like, Sato is just beaming, beaming at him, right? And so much so that he looks over, and he's like, what? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> like, uh, and I just, I really, really... I love that. I love those um, those moments when we get like the joy from Sato. You know, and in a lot of ways, he can be like a child, right? In in terms of um, him, uh, maybe not having his own tastes, but needing needing to be shown. Uh, you know, that's very childlike. In in terms of, as you say, him being kind of a ditz, uh, him. Uh, getting lost, him uh, uh, not really knowing how to ask like for studio time to to try out his instruments, or to, maybe not knowing, it, but like, what am I trying to say? Like in that scene, he just looks in awe of Uenoyama as he's able to adult, right? Just like walk over to someone mm-hmm. and be like, "Hey, can we try this out?" He just sort of has this look in his face, like, "Whoa, we're doing this. You're doing this," and like this is you know he can he can be a little vacant um or or inward uh but man when he is expressive uh i just it it brings my heart it brings my heart joy and brings a smile to mm. my face i love it it is yeah I, that's that moment was very very nice i mean like given is a boil of show so it's got to have these moments in there but they're all very very sweet and very very earnest and if you're in, if you're in for that stuff, you will not be disappointed. I can confirm that much. Uh, did you have another another topic to discuss? Uh, not at the moment. No, that covers everything I wanted to say at this point. Um, well, 
there were uh, there were a lot of small things I really liked. Um, again, the that bit that I just talked about the <laughs> uh, Uenoyama adulting for uh, Sato. Uh, mm-hmm. There was possibly the most awkward toast I've ever seen in anime um, at the <laughs> diner. With again Sato just not knowing how to how to toast. Um, uh, that was really fun. Uh, it was it, another fun moment was when uh, Ritsuko was trying to um, replicate with his mouth the sounds of the distortion pedal. That was gold. Mm-hmm. And he was like, this one sounds like Buan Buan. And when you plug this one, it sounds like Buan Buan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's incredible. That's great. Uh, also, I hadn't put it together um but before now that uh Akihiko was was uh Kaji the boyfriend for yep. some reason <laughs> because I'm an idiot uh obviously oh um actually you've just reminded me of something yeah so let's <laughs> so let's talk about you a second um so after the opening like there are a couple of people um I can't remember his name what was the name of the fourth band member Nakiko um, Haru? Haruki. Haruki, that's it, yeah, Haruki. So Haruki and a couple of us are watching, like, you know, people walk towards the college, and Yaru's, like, walking down there as well, and they start, you know, commenting and speculating on her. And, you know, knock that shit off, guys, if you'd be so good, like, you know, her life is her own, you don't have to, like, fucking comment on her all the time. But bear in mind what happens at the end of the episode, when we get the, uh, you know, when Yama's, you know, dosing girl mate uh similarly getting rumors from her friend about sato's youth like the episode is bookended that it doesn't matter what you know gender or where you're on looking from yeah like it's not good either way you know yeah why, why do people why do people got to talk about other people <laughs> you know what I mean? why, do, why do people got to spread shit i don't know but if you excuse me i'm just gonna get back to reading the sun and checking out what's been going on in britain today Hmm, tabloid journalism. I love it. <laughs> oh man, Ooh, it's is this an is this anime going to become Persona Two? Uh, all about because I've not. Okay, well, that's a game that's all about rumors and the power of rumors. You can spread them yourself if you want to. But oh man, consequences. Um, does that mean we're going to get Shadow Hitler turning up in the? <laughs> Oh no, we can only pray that you, that's you, not the you, case. You compared, you compared it to Persona oh, 2, so it had that, to happen. It's You know, I opened that door, and you walked right through and grabbed your your uh, distortion pedal with a swastika on it. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, well, Buon Buon, um, do we have any questions from uh, the Discord series discussion? By the way, you, if you are a patron uh, on the Scythe Master or Bando tier, can leave us questions for either of the series we're covering, right now, Venland Saga and Given, and uh, if you leave them in the Discord, we will have to answer them in detail. I know there are Venland Saga questions. Are there Given questions, Shadon? There are not right now. Okay, that's all right. Uh, if, uh, If our patrons want to uh toss some in there uh 
then please do. And if you are a patron and not a member of the Discord, we encourage you to sign up. We have a ton of fun in there. And uh, if you're not a patron at all, and you were hearing this uh, uh, Patreon unlock, then, uh, hey, if you like what you hear, you could be hearing this early, right when the episode comes out and is very fresh. Uh, you just have to to sign up to support us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com, Watery Desho. Come have a look. See if you like it. Absolutely. You want it when it's hot and fresh straight out of the kitchen? Get on that. So I, does that, does that, uh, is, is that that? Have we finished the set? Indeed, we have concluded our set, but there will be an encore next week when we cover Given 5. And then probably an encore after that, because we've still got quite a lot <laughs> yeah. of sets. This is the, this is the tour. This you know, is the tour, the yes. We, we're, the roadies are packing up the martial amps, and we're, we're headed to, uh, I don't know, we're headed to Boston, we'll say. Sure. Why not? I mean, next time I'll play a banjo live on stream. That's where my Patreon dollars oh are going God. right now. Well, Shadon, I I don't know where to go from here after the, the banjo, the impromptu banjo. So why don't you take us home? <laughs> I certainly will. Well, anyway, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to us cover given episode four, Fluorescent Adolescence. Um, as Doc has said, if you've enjoyed this, please do consider signing up to our Patreon, like and subscribe, drop us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud to help our discoverability. But we will be back indeed next week to cover episode five, and we really hope to see you then. But until next time, as always, everyone, embrace each other. It's the ends of the universe. Have a very good night. Adieu. Take care. Thank you.